Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Adam Klickfeld's weekly Rashi study class. Hello to anyone listening to this, um, perhaps asynchronously on the Temple Beth Am podcast. Uh, let's get started. Um, we are about to read chapter 8, verse 6. We're almost at the end of the frogs. It'll be interesting to ask the question why the Aliyah break, which happens at the end of this verse, happens, uh, particularly because we're, we're, we're completely done with the frogs a few verses later. But the fourth Aliyah of Parshat Ve'era, which was a, you know, a, a decision by Chazal, by the rabbis, ends like 87% through the frog plague. And then um, the fifth plague begins with the last few verses of it. We can talk about that. Uh, and depending on how we move today, uh, we, we're going to do a lot of pshat today and actually very little Rashi. And the Rashi uh, that we're due is, is rather simple. Um, so just to remind us um, what has been happening in verse 5 of chapter 8, we had Vayomer Moshe Pharaoh. Moses said to Pharaoh, Hit pa'er alai. We spent a long time in this. Something like, I will, I'm, I'm obviously paraphrasing, uh, I'm going to give you the chance sort of to glory over me for a bit. In what way? Regarding what time would you like me to pray on your behalf? And for your servants and for your people. Uh, that the frogs will be eliminated from you, from your house, rock by your or tisha arna. Only they will remain in the river. And the way we understood this through Rashi was um, Moses is basically teasing Pharaoh, saying, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you an opportunity where it's gonna seem like you're the one who has the power because you're going to be able to just tell your people you snapped your fingers and the frogs were gone whenever you wanted them to be gone." But of course. The real magic is going to be me because you're going to tell me I want them gone at 2.19 tomorrow afternoon and at 2.19 tomorrow afternoon is exactly what's going to happen. Uh, so that we spent some time on that. That's, that was just to get us going. Now we're on the next verse, which is verse 6, um, which is the last verse of the fourth Aliyah. Um, whom have we not heard from in a while? Barry, do you want to read verse 6? You need a microphone, Barry. Vayomer lemachar, Vayomer kidvarcha, laman teida, king in karanoi lahinu. Pharaoh said, by tomorrow, Moshe said, as you say, you will then know there is none like Adonai our God. Good. And as Stevie said yesterday, the second half of this verse, I mean last week, shows, like if there's any question about what's happening in verse 5 in terms of why Moses is giving Pharaoh the opportunity to set the time. He makes it clear at, at the end of this verse, right? So we have we have several complete sentences in this one verse. Vayomer lemachar. That's a full sentence. And Pharaoh said, "When do I want you to remove the frogs?" Which does not mean when do I want you to ask God, but when do I want it to actually happen? Lamachar tomorrow. Um, interesting. Why the lamad has to be there, right? In in modern Hebrew, we wouldn't have the lamad; we just say machar. But somehow. 
when you're denoting time in biblical Hebrew, you, you, you need a preposition sometimes. And then Moses, Moses responds, Kidvaracha, exactly as you said. Sure, that's no, no problem, Moses. And then he drops the boom. And, and, and why will I do it exactly as you say? Not because you're in power, but to show that you will, so that you will know, Ki ein karunai Eloheinu. There's no God, um, there's, no, there's no one like our God. Um, questions on, on the verse, on the words, on the meaning, uh, Rick. Wait, don't talk to the mic. <laughs> it's so frustrating okay. for those on zoom. Okay. Okay. I, I just came across one sentence that I thought was interesting. It says here, to the Egyptians, the frog is a symbol of life and fertility, which is kind of interesting. Uh, since millions of them were born after the annual flooding of the Nile, which brought fertility and otherwise to the otherwise barren lands. Mm. So it's not just a frog. It's, it's like the symbol of life and fertility that's oppressing them. Right. I wonder if that helps us understand a little bit. We keep talking about why do the... Khartoumim show their power by redoubling the plague as opposed to removing it. Um, but, and if you try to kind of graph biblical um, mythology onto history, right, you could say that, well, the notion of frogs overwhelming the area was a common thing. It would happen after the, the Nile would flood. And so if, if what, was, what was magical was, was God making it happen right in that moment, but the Egyptians were used to that anyway, you could say the Khartoum is saying, well, we could also do it right at that moment. And we, we've been there and done that. The frogs come here and overwhelm us every year. Uh, Norm? It seems to me that for the Egyptians, the frogs being a symbol of fertility and prosperity is sensible. And it reminds me that, you know, we say things should be for a blessing and not for a curse. We do it when we announce the month, for example. And so... To the Egyptians, frogs seem good at first, but too many frogs were a plague. Mm. Rain is good for Egypt and for Israel and for California, yes. but too much rain results in disasters. Yeah. And that's true of many things in life. Right. How much and when of a good thing impacts how good it is. Yeah. Yeah. Rick? Sorry, we should have an extra mic in here. I don't know why we don't, but I'll have to pull it down. Um, so you asked why this was the end of the Aliyah. So um, just my guess, according to the trope, um, um, it's a big moment. It's a big finish. Uh, nobody's like our God, uh, uh, Elohim. So um, it's it's a dramatic statement. And in, in front of that, Lema'an Teda, um, the Munach and the Zakev Katon, when it's by itself, I have a theory that um, it it uh, it highlights the most important part of that sentence, um, and um, it's for the sake of him knowing. And teda uh, yada um, that verb it, it's all over the place in the Torah. What do you know? What do you not know? Um, they shall know uh, God's power and all that. So um, when the Masoretes set down the trope, or when they recorded the trope from the oral tradition, um, they, they thought that that was really important to highlight those two words. And then 
uh, it's a big uh, dramatic uh, um, end to that sentence. Yeah, it, it, always try to end on on something positive. It, it it is a bit of a mic drop, right? So while the the narrative goes a few more verses, the the the, the apex of this narrative you could say is here, right? The apex of the narrative is not once the frogs are gone. The apex of the narrative is once uh, Pharaoh hears from Moses, uh, oh, the purpose of all this. Morning. Uh, no, we're in Shmot, but someone next to you will be happy to lend you a look. Um, long story. I'll explain it in a second. <laughs> um, that the the apex of this story, or the, or this part of the story, is Moshe reinforcing to Pharaoh, "God's in control, not you." Uh, and and like it's almost of the the arc of each plague is it, it is a parabola. But what's but you you can imagine the master saying, "We want to." We want to stop the plague at the apex of the parabola rather than at the decline of the parabola. Uh, Renee, please. Um, I just I found it interesting that uh, Everett Fox has a footnote that says that the timing, even when chosen at will, demonstrates God's total power. So it wasn't like totally left at no no choice, but it got even with this, God was in control. Yes. Even in the way in which I'm giving you power, I have power, right? Larry? I'm struck by the way Ari Kaplan not just translates, but the way in which he actually um, puts the, the, the text. He writes it as if, as if it's the script of a play. So you get kind of a different sense of what's going on there. Mm. So if I can just go back one verse, which I, which I, I, I read last week. So in verse 5, and this is, this is, I'm reading what he has. Try and test me, replied Moses. Mm. Exactly when shall I pray for you, your officials and your people? The frogs will immediately depart from you, from you and your homes remaining only in the Nile. And the next line is, Tomorrow, mm. with an exclamation mark, mm. said Pharaoh, giving the sense of urgency that, that Pharaoh shows. Mm. And then it goes on, as you say, replied Moses, you will then know that there is none like God, our Lord. Mm. And I, it, I was never struck by this in Arya Kaplan, but I think he does this consistently, is he wants to give you a sense of what the dialogue is like, mm. as opposed to saying, he said this and he said that. Mm. He gives you the dialogue. Yeah. I wonder if anybody has a translation of the Torah that's entirely in a in play form. That would be neat, no? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm trying to understand how why why does that seem like it's in play form to you as opposed to what what is play form about that? Thank you, Hector. Hector, is it possible also to make the out the volume that we hear louder so that when someone on Zoom, thank you so much. You're, you're right. It's not just play form. It's like when you're reading a novel, the no, they don't start a sentence with, he said, she said. Sometimes they do, right. but they just give dialogue. you the, the dialogue is yeah, yeah. right there. Yeah, yeah. So the immediacy of the tomorrow, yes, yes, especially yes. with the exclamation mark, just gives me a completely different sense. It wasn't just a discussion. It was just, it, Pharaoh was anxious, right? Exactly. 
Um, Matt is saying it's hard to hear. Are you uh, other Zoomers? Can you hear me okay? <laughs> Sorry, Matt. Uh, actually, now Matt's gone. No, is Matt in the room? Where's Matt? To the right, on the, up, up on the top. No. No, he's not here. No, he's he not was here. Like, maybe, so it was his. It was his he's connection. on the screen still. He's just not being visible. Oh, no. Alon, can you hear us okay? Okay, they can hear. Okay, yeah. Matt, I hope that your uh, connection gets better. Uh, great. Anything else in this verse before we go to the next verse? Okay, that's the end of the fourth aliyah. Uh, Barry, you get another because uh, you got no rashes there. in that one. And we did it last week. Oh. oh, no, you're right. My bad. So, Bear, you get the Russian six. Correct. We didn't do it already? Okay. We, we, we made reference to it. We didn't actually read it directly. Oh. So, we haven't had enough discussion yet. You got to turn on the mic. It's on. It is? Can you hear me? Yes, now I can hear yeah, you. We, we get it that we close. We kind of covered it. Yeah. Uh, Wait, so translate that or deal with that? Oh, I'm in the wrong verse. Okay, uh, so, uh, and Pharaoh says, Pharaoh said by tomorrow, um, uh, pray today that they be destroyed by tomorrow. So we kind of made a glancing reference to this last week. Uh, Rashi never spends four words on nothing. What, he's telling us it means this so that we don't think it means what? Pharaoh's confirming that it's, it's, it's Moshe's prayer to God that's going to do this. Not not Pharaoh's request, but it, it's going to be that he's requesting Moshe to do this. Right. I think there's something on the on the time on the chronology here that Rashi's trying to reinforce. Even though I don't think it was it was confusing for us, Rashi is making sure we don't understand it what way. Well, the the, the mail was slow, so it's overnight. Uh-huh. Norm, um, I think. Rashi's concerned we might think that he's supposed to pray for it tomorrow. Correct. And it'll happen when it happens. What Pharaoh is asking is that it should be completed by tomorrow. Right. right. So if we go back to that weird phrase in verse 5, limatai, compared to matai, right? Matai atir lecha could have been read as, when do you want me to do the praying? And limatai, according to Rashi, meant regarding what moment that the frogs are to be removed do you want me to pray to god now what's interesting is why doesn't why wouldn't pharaoh say today right like if 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 rashi's reinforcing that pharaoh's answer is i want you to pray today that the frogs be removed tomorrow why don't you why doesn't he say pray today so the frogs move today is this showing a stupidity on pharaoh's part right on one hand rashi is just clarifying the timeline don't think that regarding tomorrow means that's when i want you to go to god i want you to go to god right now i'm done with this and then he says so that the frogs will be removed tomorrow there's something uh that both resolves a, a, a minor minor question in the verse and also exposes i don't know a folly to pharaoh like a little bit like an ahashverosh right like he doesn't even know what he's doing and he's he's finally given an opportunity to exert some power to relieve his people from something and he says yeah tomorrow will be fine interesting norm and then rachel tomorrow is soon but it gives him a chance to prepare the equivalent of a press release to take credit for it <laughs> um 
Oh, uh, Matt is saying that he's in Ramat Gan. That's awesome. Nice to see you in Ramat Gan. Hope you're ahead of a safe, safe and easy flight. Uh, Rachel. Norm said part of what I was going to say about <laughs> a press release. I was singing the social media. That way it gives Pharaoh a day to make it appear to the people as if it was his own doing. Uh-huh. Good. So like wink, <clears throat> wink, uh, Moses, go tell God now, and then give me some time to let everybody know, hey, folks, the plague's going to end exactly tomorrow, and then they're going to be wowed by me. Interesting. Okay. Anyone else right. in that verse? Yes, Rosemary. Uh, I just go to the word, word that we see in the chapter most of the time. It says like something he decides far on and then God hardens his head, um, heart. Mm-hmm. So uh, I feel he's like the children that the mother said, if you touch the fire, it's going to burn your hand and the child will go almost there. He knows the mother is right, but he will go anyway to try. Yeah. I think if his heart is being hardened, He's conscious because we know also sometimes we want to do something. There's somebody telling us in a small voice, don't. So probably Pharaoh is hearing and he knows God, but he's that child who wants to go as much as he can go to the fire and to see still to believe he has also power. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you for that, Rosemary. Leonard? I think Haskuni has an answer to this uh, to this question here. And if I understand what Haskuni is saying, is that Moses says to Pharaoh, "You choose when uh, when the frog should leave," thinking that uh, Pharaoh would say immediately. But Pharaoh says tomorrow, knowing that the frogs would probably dissipate on their own, and show that Moses really didn't have any power over all of this anyway. This is on which verse? On six. Let me, let me pull it up so we can look at it together. Um, okay, I'm going to share the screen. Okay, this is Chizkuni on verse 6. Vayomer lemachar, ani ashalchem ladarkam. Uh... I will I will send them tomorrow on their way, meaning the Israelites. Ah, so the first thing Chizkuni uh, says is that the machar doesn't mean is not an answer to the question of when the frogs are going to be gone. But basically, if you if you get this done now, I will dispatch your people tomorrow. As Rashi explains, so that the frogs will leave by tomorrow. Paro chashav belibo. Pharaoh thought in his heart that in the moment that uh, Moses said to him, you get to lord over me, then that was already the time for the end of the frogs. Therefore, he tricked him or tried him. And he intentionally extended it tomorrow. I will... Um, I will kind of hold Moses almost like it's, I don't understand the translation here. It really means um, as, as, as 
I, 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 I will show that I'm more powerful than him somehow. So <clears throat> what, I will show who, Mo, who Moses really is. Right. And it, 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 what I think what Chizkuni is saying is a cousin to what I was saying before about, is there something going on here to point, to, to display or portray Pharaoh as being both wicked and stupid, right? Ah, Moses is giving me the opportunity to name the time when the frogs could leave, which means it could be as early as today. I'll show him. I'll make the frogs go away tomorrow uh, to suggest that Moses will show, will have been revealed as not as powerful as he thought. But in the after, with that, his people suffer an extra day. It's like helm like it's helm like wisdom. Uh, Sue? Or, or, uh, oh, does it work? Leave it there a second. Yeah. Leave it there. Sue, talk regular voice and tell me on Zoom if you can hear Sue. Okay. Can you guys hear me on Zoom? Perfect. Yes. Great. Oh, yeah. And there's no feedback? Great. No feedback. Okay. Um, or he doesn't he wants to make sure that Moses doesn't look powerful he wants to make sure mm. that nobody who knows the inside story of this including mm. him mm. can attribute so much power to Moses yeah pay no attention to the man behind that curtain right like he wants to like not have the people see who's actually running everything who's the wizard yeah uh good, good old Toto he figured it out that dog Yes, Rick. The, the lima tie goes with lima far. I notice. I noticed with the English. Yes. The for this, for that. Yes. Um, so right. Just the biblical way of saying it. Well, sometimes I mean, I have to think more about it. I didn't. I didn't think about thinking about it before the class. Sometimes the words denoting time in the in the Torah do not require preposition, but preposition. But these two times that they do have it. Think about regarding, and that would link to lima on teda. So, the, well, lamed's link up nice. Yeah, sometimes a lamed is just a lamed. That's just a, <laughs> <laughs> right? and the mem is hunched over to show how Pharaoh's back is going to be broken in this process, right? And the nun is long deep is down into the ground, showing that Pharaoh is really buried, right? Um, but I'm bum. Um, you know, I, I, I laugh. Uh, I, that's I a play. That's a stage play. <laughs> <laughs> I've shared with it in different ways that uh, one of the the authors that I most um, I, I most committed to reading these days, even though every sentence is a challenge for me, is Sam Harris, who does a lot of writing on mindfulness and meditation, and also he's a he's a, he's a really avowed, committed, articulate atheist, mm -hmm. and he he thinks faith is problematic, and he thinks that that. Um, liberal progressive non-absolutist faith such as ours is not that much less problematic than absolutist faith because we because he says that we're giving a cover for absolutist faith because we're trying to you know sell the world and the idea that believing in a god that can't be proven has has some benign aspects when he doesn't think it does but he talks about basically midrash but he's not talking about midrash per se. he's talking about how how you venerate a sacred text um and you know you you know doing exactly what we're doing, reading, you know, what Rick and I were going back and forth and was kind of like a, like, a, uh, like a caricature of that. But, but one level below that is exactly what we're doing, just going back and forth on what letters can mean. And he, he basically says, I could go into any library in the world, pick a, pick a random book off the shelf, pick a random page, pick a random paragraph, and read those paragraphs as if it was trying to tell me something deep. And he goes into a library, as he writes about it, he picks off like a, I don't know, like a, a recipe book. 
and he, and he, you know, it's like, you know, three tablespoons, you know, you know, a uh, table referring to four legs, you know, and show, show, showing us that we have to be grounded with the earth and three representing the Trinity. I mean, he basically does to a recipe for make muffins, what we sometimes do with a bigger book of schmoat. And he, and he's right on some level, right? Because the only reason why we're studying this text this way and not Chaucer this way is that we ascribe a certain, uh, we might study Chaucer from a literary perspective, but we, 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 we want to find, we are convinced into finding God's wisdom coming through here. Um, but when you, when you think of someone else reading their venerated text, the way we read ours, it, do, it does show you some of the gamesmanship that's involved. Um, and it's not that far away from like, oh, look, the nun, the nun, the nun Sophie is going down to the ground showing that uh, Pharaoh's about to be buried, something like that. Um, okay. Uh, let us go to the um, first verse of the fifth Aliyah. Um, let's see. Diane, do you want to read? So I have to leave in two minutes to do a piano lesson. So oh, no. Okay. So no. Go, go teach well. Uh, Thank Rebecca, you. do you want to lead? Vasaru. Hatsvardiim, Mimcha, Umi Batecha, Ume Avadecha, Ume Amecha, Rock Beor Tisha Arna. And the frogs will depart from you and from your houses and from your servants and from your people. Only in the river, in the Nile, shall they remain. Good. And if this verse is familiar to you, nearly every component of this verse, although in oddly a little bit out of order or separated differently, happened in verse five, right? So the phrase "v'saru um, hatsfardaim" is uh, harkens back to verse four, where um, yes, there. where Pharaoh says, "Please ask God." that God will remove the frogs. So now um, Moses is saying that the frogs will indeed be removed. Mimcha, we've got mimcha umibatecha umiyavadecha umiyamcha in verse five, but not in the same order, right? We have in verse five, la'avadecha um, v'la'amecha regarding the atirlecha, the praying. And we've got the mimcha umibatecha regarding the removal of the frogs in our verse, they're all put together and in a different order. So that means something or nothing, uh, but it's interesting how the verse is constructed. And a, a very small thing that I have no idea how to resolve in the unculus. So the phrase at the end of verse five is rock by your Tisha Arna. The phrase at the end of verse seven is rock by your Tisha Arna. Same word, same letter, same vowel, same trup. Uncleus translates the first one as um, tish ta'aran, and the second one as yish ta'aran. I have no idea why he changes it um, from a, 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 a really a, a feminine to a masculine. I don't know if that's a, um, a, a, a codified error in Uncleus. It's the exact same word, same trup, same vowels, but he, he one letter is different in the translation into the Uncleus. Um, and you can make the argument, and particularly if you were looking for reasons to find text, the text woven together, that this verse is almost entirely extraneous because Moses says in verse five to Pharaoh, I'll let you lord over me 
and pray to God um, that the frogs will be removed from your houses. Da, 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 da. And then in verse seven, we're not yet at actually happening. We're still saying that Moses is telling Pharaoh and this is going to happen, but he just already told Moses it's going to happen. So the whole sentence is somewhat extraneous. The order in which the phrases come together is somewhat changed from verse five. Um, the information is not new at all. Larry, microphone. There's one big difference, and that's here we have the verb visaru, and in verse five, it's a lakir, it's a, right? In verse four, it was the yaser. In right, yeah, in right. Verse, verse five, five is lahachrit to lahachrit. to to to, um, to be cut, cut to be off. cut off, right? And here they're going to depart. Correct. As opposed to vasaru. So right. here the sense is the frogs are going to go back into the Nile. Yes. But the sense in five is they're just going to die where they are, which I think we're going to get to later on. Yeah, I mean, you could translate lahachrit hatsfardaimimcha not necessarily to mean to die where they are, but, but they will be eliminated from your presence, right? Like the, to, be, to be cut off from your uh, unpleasant exposure to them. Um, but yeah, but, but you have both the verb uh, to a, a removal, a stepping away, and a destruction. Barry? But then we, we discover that, in fact, they're not destroyed. It, it, it's, it's an ugly mess on their hands. So uh, initially, the, the, the miracle is going to be that it'll all disappear, but it doesn't disappear. Right. When we get down to verse 10, which I don't know if we'll get to today, we'll realize that at the end of the frog plague, the frogs were still there, dead heaps of, heaps of carcasses of frogs, right? <laughs> so the promise is that they will be, you know, they're hopping all over your houses will be removed from you, but not that it's going to be like I dream of genie and it's just going to be like, gone. And they'll they, be there they, and they're they not smell. There. The dead frogs smell. Yeah. Dead anything yeah. smells, but, but certainly dead frog. Um, dead fish. It's a very smelly business. Yeah. The whole thing. <laughs> yes. Well, vaiv ash hayor, right? That we had then in the plug in the plague of blood. That it was not just that they would be unpotable, but it's going to be smelly and stinky, and all the fish were going to die. Back to back to Larry. <laughs> what am I supposed to be a German Christian? The way in which I biblical I, critic, yeah. biblical critic. Yeah. If if you see this as one narrative, you've got to try to understand how these two verses they repeat them and then mesh them together. If you see this as a as a as a merging of different tales, and the editor couldn't figure out which which verse to include, so he included them both. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Anything else in this verse, Larry? Uh, Leonard? LL. LL Leonard here. Uh, <clears throat> Malbeam has an interesting comment here, which seems to actually apply to the previous verse, but it says here, by tomorrow, this can be explained according to the Zohar that states that witchcraft can be performed only from midday until midnight. But not in the morning. Everyone knows that. <laughs> so Pharaoh suspected Moshe of using witchcraft. And so when Moshe asked exactly for when shall I pray for you, 
He answered, tomorrow morning, when it is impossible to do witchcraft. <laughs> at, at the time they were together, however, it was after midday, and he suspected that Moshe, that Moshe would use witchcraft. Hmm. I, I quickly threw it up on the screen, but we got, we got this sense of it. Do you have a translation of the Malbim on Safari? I do. I've never found the translation of Malbim Safari only, only in Hebrew. I wonder where how you... Well, have... I'm not sure everything is translated, but that paragraph is... Huh. I don't even see it right now. And in fact, the reason why I'm so interested in that is because I find the mall beam. It's on verse 7, not verse 6. Uh-huh. Still, I don't... Oh, the translation. I see. Got it. Okay. Um, great. Uh, let's jump into verse 8. Um, and Rebecca, still you, because there were no rushes in verse 7. And nothing else in verse 7? Okay. Vayetse Moshe Vaharon Meim Paro Vayitzak Moshe El Adonai Al Dvar Hatsvardeim Asher Sam Lefaro. Okay. And Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moshe cried to God uh, on the matter of the frogs that he put upon Pharaoh. Good. Um, point out a couple of things, and then we'll, we'll let the verse linger there if people have any reactions to it. Uh, we, it's another situation where we have a single verb, but we have two, two subjects, right? It's not vayetz u Moshe v'yaron, which you could have written, but it's another, we've seen this before, like, it's like, and Moses left, oh, and by the way, Aaron was also with him, but the subject of vayetz is singular. If you look at the Uncleus on Vayitzak, should I put that on? Does anyone not have Uncleus? I think everyone has him, right? Um, Uncleus translates Vayitzak, which means to cry, as Vitsali, which means in Aramaic to pray, right? Titkabel tzloton uvauton, we say in the Reader's Cottage. May our tzlot, our prayers, be received. Um, it's kind of a plaintive verb if you think about it, right? Because you, usually you imagine a Vayitzak, somebody to God, as being like one of our people praying for our behalfs. Uh, right. So here it's like Moshe's pleading with God, but he's not pleading with God to do something for the people. He's pleading with God uh, or, or asking God to actually just, you know, finish off the second play by removing the frogs as, as it was planned. So it, it's a, it's a, it's an emotionally powerful verb, and I'm not sure why it has to be there. Um, and then just one other thing, interesting translation of um, the word davar, right? Al-davar hatsfardayim. Uh, Moses uh, cried to God on the matter of, on the word of, uh, in, in Enkelitz al-esek, al, uh, esak, like on, on the business of, right? Because the word davar can mean lots of different things. Be interesting to see if any any of the translations translate it interestingly. Questions or comments on verse eight? <clears throat> Larry, Mike, for phone. Three three quick things. Alter also um, notices the the verb doesn't match the way he translates it is, and Moses comma and Aaron with him went out from Pharaoh's presence. So Say that's it again, what, Moses. And Moses, comma, and Aaron with him, right. comma, right, went right. out. So that's the way in which he does that. I'm just struck by the, 
they went out meim from with. Yeah. Is that is that, is that it's hard? Yeah, it, 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 it's not as uncommon as you think, and it's one of those words that you can't translate given your knowledge of may meaning from and e meaning with. It just it, it kind of just means what it means. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard to render that into an English given the two parts of it. So yes, it, it, oh. we wouldn't say that right now. Um, um, where do we have it? Hold on, it's, it's um, there's a piece of liturgy that I'm forgetting right now where we where we have it. It's not as uncommon as you think. And if I were to be yeah, writing this verse, what's that? That thing is my eight, the eight dot or nine, okay. but it's similar, right? Just like, uh, um, yeah. But if I were to if I were to have written this verse, I would have said, and Moses and Aaron left, and then they asked God to do as Moses had agreed, or something like that. Why is God? Why is Moses crying out right. to to God? Right. And why in that way on on the thing or the devar, you know, of the of the frogs um, that, um, that 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 Sham, how do they translate that? That he had placed. Yeah, okay, they had placed. It's just Ever Fox has had, had imposed upon Pharaoh. But it's just such an awkward way to describe what Moses is doing here. Yes. Why is he crying and why do they put it that way? It's just written weirdly. Uh, the one I was thinking of is also Me'it, I thought it was Me'im, is we just said it. One thing I ask Me'it Adonai, could just be free from Me'adonai, but, but in the biblical construction, it, it was um, a more complex word than the simple uh, may. Uh, Kahana translates this. Uh, we've, we've looked at his commentary, his um, translation a few times. Uh, Moses prayed fervently, right? His translation is amplifying what's strange about this. This shouldn't be a prayed fervently moment. It should be Moses... Moses and God are in cahoots here. Okay, God, next step. Like he's not. It's not like he's praying fervently that the that the um, that mana come down from heaven for this people. So it's interesting how he 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 picks up on the vayitzak to the internal to confirm the promise. That's how he does aldavar. He had made concerning the removal of the frogs. So he references the davar as not the whole the whole story of the frogs, but the thing regarding which God had promised to do regarding the frogs, which he had brought upon Pharaoh. It's an interesting uh, expansion. Yes, Rick. A couple things. So Me'im, from being with, the, the being part uh -huh. is like... From having been with. Right. Yeah, uh, interesting. And, and a lot of times in Hebrew, you don't use being. You just say what you want to say. It's yeah. not... I, I am being with that person. It's just, yeah. I am. Good. Just, okay. Um, Vayitzak. Okay. So why that verb? Maybe this one. Like, so just Pharaoh would hear, like the magicians were whispering. Right? <clears throat> he didn't just say it by Yomer in a normal voice. <clears throat> he said it in a big voice. Why? So everybody could hear. Nice. Right? Nice. They, they weren't in a vacuum. All these courtiers and, and Aaron <clears throat> is there and, and there's all these people. So he makes it a big production. He shouts it out so everybody Great. can hear. I love that. The, the me'im may be like uh, the Hebrew version of how come, right? It, 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 try telling a non-English speaker why how come means why. 
you have to turn it into the sentence, how, how it came to be that, right? And we got shortened to how come, right? So me'im is a, is a version of that. So I like a, a two for two. Well done, Rick. Um, uh, that was verse eight. Anything else on? Yes. I have a little different take on that. Please. Uh, this is the, uh, uh, what's your name? Jeff. 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 This will pick, pick up. Pick it up. It's picking up. We have the good mic. Here. Uh -oh. four, five, so this is what, what number of plagues is this? Number two? Two. All right. So, you know, the relationship between Moshe and uh, uh, I say Yahweh. You can say whatever you want. And if okay. the lightning hits you, we'll, we'll move away. Yeah. <laughs> it was not exactly smooth in the beginning. He didn't want the job. Mm. He had excuses why he shouldn't go there. He didn't think he could do it. Uh, he had doubts. He's not been a, a, a chassid for all his life. He was raised in different cultures. So um, I think that he's active. He, he's, he's still not 100% sure mm. of, 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 of uh, the success of his uh, enterprise here. So he thinks, I really got to. <laughs> That's nice. Dress God. I believe he can do this. Yeah. <laughs> so and got. I appreciate that comment because it's been a long time since we lingered even for a little bit on the fact that Moshe is now representing God, but his adversary was once his benefactor, right? Like he's, and, 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 and the people who are suffering from the plagues were once the people that Moshe thought of as his people, right? And that doesn't get played up a lot, but if we really think about it and we take, take the story face value, Moshe is plaguing, is representing his people and plaguing his people at the same time. Right? That dual identity is really, really a powerful thing to think about. Yes, Norm. I think on the issue of is what he normally pray only on behalf of the Jewish people, that's who he is acting for because he thinks he has a deal. He has a promise from Pharaoh. The frogs will go away tomorrow and I will let the people go is Pharaoh's position, Moshe believes. Moshe may not realize that no, there's going to be another eight plagues. Um, if in fact he can resolve this now early, yeah. um, and you know he doesn't yet know that Pharaoh's going to allow his heart to be hardened. Yeah. Let's look at the Rashi. Uh, this will be one more Rashi dealing with a topic that we've kind of already dealt with. I'm curious if any versions of the Rashi have different Diburei Hamachil, the words in the verse upon which Rashi is commenting. We've discussed many times that that is. Um, um, that that is um, was added in by the editors, right? So so it's a guess as to what verses, what words in the verse Rashi is commenting on. Uh, Rebecca, in your version, what's the Dibur Hamadchil here? In verse eight, the words from the verse. Bo both verbs. Does anyone have a version of Rashi where the words in bold or the words quoted from the verse are not both yeah, verbs? I have a come, but it's a come. But both but verbs are there. Yeah. Okay. So what it means is that what we're about to read, according to the accepted tradition, is Rashi's somehow resolution of the question of why both verbs are there, right? And I think that's that's important to understand what he's saying, and you know, what he's saying is three words. I remember in Yeshiva, the shortest Rashi's are the hardest Rashi's, right? Uh, hardest Rashi's to really figure out what's going on. So on the words, he left and he cried. What Rashi says, what? 
Right, and I would put a comma after Miyad if it isn't there. Is there one? Yeah. Okay. okay. So, so, so what? So, what is Rashi saying? Immediately, uh, that they should be starting tomorrow. <laughs> and so, what is Rashi telling us about the doubling of those verbs? Well, the frogs. <clears throat> like, why does Rashi need to say that? We've dealt. This is now the third Rashi already on the notion that what's going on is that. Pharaoh was not asking, Moshe was not asking Pharaoh, when do you want me to do the praying? But when do you want me then to be removed? Da, 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 da. And I was doing it a third time. What, what's the impact of this? Rick and then Barry? Just the Rashi on six also ended Sheyikartu Lemachar. It's the same two words. Right. So in front of it, he, in six, he had Hitvalel Hayom, and here he has Miyad. Right. So what, what's new? I, I'm just pointing out what I see. I don't, I don't know. Okay. Barry? Yeah, Barry, the mic, I think, is a little too far away from that one. So we talked previously about somehow Pharaoh giving an opportunity to Pharaoh had given an opportunity. Pharaoh had, Pharaoh's the one who's giving this delay between the prayer and the doing. But what we see here is that uh, out loud, everybody's hearing this. Microphone. Nice. Yeah. There's no interruption. Barbara can't hear. Is the mic on? Say that one more time, Barry. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's green now. Uh, we, 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 we spoke previously that there will be a break of time between Moshe's prayer and, and the disappearance of the frogs. So the Pharaoh could take uh, 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 the credit for this. But uh, what's happening here is that Moshe is doing this immediately. He, he, he's there in the presence of everybody. He, he, he's, he's leaving and he's praying immediately uh, that, that it'll be tomorrow. So there's no break. So Pharaoh gets no opportunity. Right. And, and some of the super commentaries on Rashi are saying that this is Rashi explaining why we need the word Vayetze. Right. And, and, and Matt, is Matt still here? I don't mean to joke on Vayetze Yaakov mi Beersheba again, except that I just did. Right. Like, why do we need that he left Pharaoh's presence? Like, wouldn't we, wouldn't, wouldn't we know that if it says Vayetzak Moshe Adonai al-Devar Fardin, that Moses was now back in God mode? Why do, have to, why do we, if, if, if we all of a sudden see Moses in another place, we would know that in order to get to that place, he had to have leave, left Pharaoh. According to the super commentators on Rashi, the Vayetze and the um, Vayetzakas say he left that spot and immediately cried out to God, right? Right after the juxtaposition of the crying out and the leaving suggests that he left. And the first thing he did was do exactly what they had agreed to, which is to pray and that the result of the prayer would be that the frogs would leave tomorrow. Would we not have known that had we had he not said that? I'm not sure, but it's a way of uh, explaining why both verbs might be present in the verse. Yeah, Barry? If I just add on to that, that in, in one second, Moshe's facing Pharaoh. In the next sec second, he's not facing Pharaoh, he's east to God. Yeah. So it's, it's an immediate change yeah yeah that's a good reminder to all of us that we're all we're always only potentially one second away from being in god's presence and offering a prayer right um that we, we don't we don't necessarily need a whole mood setting for it to happen okay uh that was rashi on that we're moving right along anything else all right we might we might get to those heaps of frogs uh we have we have two verses to go to get there um so uh, we're on verse nine. Uh, Barbara, do you want to read verse nine? 
Can't hear you. I got this. I, I got another pair of glasses elsewhere in the house that are stronger for reading, and I, this is this is good for the computer. Was that? Was, I didn't know. That, meaning don't you, you don't want to read. This is, yeah, not the right glass. Got it. Okay, uh, Sue, do you want to read verse nine? Sure. Vayas Adonai kidvar Moshe vayamutu atzvardaim min habatim min achatero. Okay, sorry. And God did that as according to Moses, according to Moses, and the uh, frogs died, and they died out, the frogs died out of the houses, there's no left. Uh, the frogs died from the houses and from the backyards and from the fields. Good. So going back to something that Larry said before, it's now our, a, a third verb. We had yikartu, they'll be disappeared. We had sorrow, they will remove, and now they're going to be dead. And of all of those three verbs, the one that least seems to connect to the phrase min habatim, from the houses, is that they died. You don't die from something. You might be removed from something. Right. You might be um, cut off from something. But it's strange that it's vayamutu min habatim. And they died from the houses. We know what it means, that. but why it's written that way is hard to know. right? Mm -hmm. And now we've got um, uh, in the two other verses before where it talked about where the frogs are going to be souring from and karating from. We had your people, you, your houses. Uh, but now we're adding uh, courtyards and fields, which were not there before. Uh, Elon. No, that was going to be my question. Why all of a sudden are is our courtyards and fields mentioned here, and in no other prior references to where the frogs were? Yeah, it's 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 a proper question on the verse. I don't have a great answer to it, but seeing as how the there has been some parallelism, parallelism, and an intentional redundancy in these verses, it's and we're and we're now alerted to that. It's interesting to be alerted to a verse that has new places where frogs seem to have been, which we could have presumed because it's, you know, everywhere includes everything. Why, why fields and courtyards are mentioned and they haven't been mentioned? Don't know. Uh, apparently in Ramad Gan, everything is 90 degrees to the right. What? Oh, you can't see what I'm saying, Matt. Now he's upside down. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Um, Barry and then Renee. So in uh, verse five, the verse is Lahakrit, uh, and in verse seven, it's Vasaru. Uh, right. Uh, which both imply disappearing. Oh, yeah. uh, and whereas here we have uh, Yamutu, they're, they're dead. Right. They haven't disappeared. So uh, there's been a change. Uh, what, 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 what Moshe promises Pharaoh and what Moshe prays for, what God does. Right. And, and verse 9 is going to connect to verse 10 because you can't have verse 10. You don't, you don't have verse 9. And is this, again, is this a change in what was promised? Is this, are these just synonyms for one another? Is this different streams of text that were woven together? We don't know, but it's but it's a but when you're reading this slow as opposed to laning the aliyah in, in shul, you pick up on those uh, slight differences. Uh, Renee, so 
So Edward Fox addresses that threefold repetition of from, and he says it paints a picture of the end of the play, but that's why he kind of says from the from the houses and from the courtyards and from the fields, it's as an indication of it's the end of the plague and that the dead frogs recede like water drying up. Yeah, I'll share that with everybody um, so we can look at it together. This is Everett Fox on the verse. Uh, and Yudhevavhe did according to Moshe's words, the frogs died away from the houses, from the courtyards, from the fields. This footnote, is that what you're referring to? The threefold repetition of from paints a vision. Yeah. Of the end of this plague, the dead frogs recede like water drying up, yeah. drying up from the courtyard. Good, thank you, Renee. Uh, Rebecca, then Larry. Yeah, I just, uh, I just thought it's also uh, um, interesting the first uh, phrasing of the sentence where God does mm. according to the word of Moshe. Good. I mean, I know, I know it's to show that God's fulfilling what Moses publicly declared and asked for, but it's just kind of a reversal of what we usually see where somebody does something according to the word of God. Great. I was wondering if someone was going to pick up on that, right? Because it makes sense, but it's striking, right? Vayas Moshe Kedvar Adonai. Right, that we see that all the time, particularly in in um, later on as the Mishkan is being built. Bayas and Moshe is striking. Right, um, you could write a like a whole sermon about how that impacts or how what what that says about our understanding of the theology of prayer and and whether or not you know, we are doing God's will or God is doing our will on some level. And and in the story, you just meet, we know what it means, right? Moses did as they had agreed to do. But the construction is striking. Thank you, Rebecca. Moshe was our first wonder-working <laughs> Larry? <laughs> so I want to talk about the Rashi on this verse. The non-Rashi? Right, exactly. <laughs> so Rashi's been telling us about it was immediate, and then it was the next day. He's really concerned about time. And suddenly, he's not concerned at all. Mm. And if you were the editor <clears throat> of someone who had written this, and you said, you'd have the buildup. And then you said, and God did as, as, as Moses said, and the frogs died. You'd say to your writer, when? wait, wait, when? you yeah. got to tell them when, because there's been a big deal about when. Yeah. And the reader who's reading this is, if God did it, then they died right away. Yeah. But we know they didn't die right away. Great. Right? So, And we'd only be sensitive to that because we've been reading the Rashi. Exactly. And that's right. why Rashi's absence here is, is, is it screams. Right. That's that's interesting, right? The vayas adonai kedvar Moshe vayimutuz fardaim, as Larry suggests, suggests that it all happened right then. But the whole purpose of the last few verses was to show us that Pharaoh was asking Moses, "Do the praying today? Do they be removed machar?" There's no machar in this verse. So is this happening hayom or machar? Great. I don't have an answer for you, but but it's a really important. Um, I don't. Know. It's a really, yeah. it's a really interesting uh, pickup, particularly given what Rashi has been saying. So, I answer it. Jags with them, with Sam Harris. All right, we'll do it into the microphone. You're going to be an atheist. Be an atheist. With the microphone. <laughs> we're not, we're not going there in this class. <laughs> um, no, I, I just said I have an answer, but it jives with 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 Sam Harris and okay. with Sam. When it's Sam, and I don't. By the way, I just want to say the thing that the reason I stopped reading Sam Harris is because he wouldn't differentiate between being religious in terms of practice versus being religious in terms of what you believe fancifully. Yeah. Um, but that's besides the point. But, but what Sam Harris would say here, and I would, and I'm going to say the same thing. And I guess the, uh, 
the, 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 the German uh, uh, scholars would say is this is a, this is a, a mashup of different, of, different ver of different versions and the editors weren't meticulous here mm -hmm. in making sure that there was continuity. Mm -hmm. it, yeah. it still makes it worthwhile yeah. in going and in, in, in looking at it and examining it, but that's the answer. Yeah. Because we sue, and then because we hinted at it, I want to read verse uh, ten quickly because it's going to be a while before we come back to this. But we, <clears throat> but uh, first, you sue. Um, well, it just this this thing where it's Moshe ki davar Moshe that he did ki davar Moshe, and where you know we I think that we've talked about this, but God needs Moshe in this story, and it's the sermon that you sort of hinted at. There is that. God needs all of us. It's a two-way kind of thing, which um, reminded me of. I, 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 Manus Friedman pops up on my feed a lot because mm -hmm. stuff. And um, he's got a merch store, and he's got a big T-shirt that says, or a hoodie that says, "Hashem needs you." How mm -hmm. cool is that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and it is kind of a, you know, there's a quote again. Yeah, our, we had our first meeting yesterday to plan the Yom Kippur HaMa'alot that we do parallel to the traditional Mincha. And again, I'm not trying to pry anyone away from a traditional Mincha. I'm a fan of traditional Mincha, but that's what the HaMa'alot service is. And we're going to be playing on that theme, on this notion of right, the theological version of a tree falling in a forest and no one hearing it, right? a, a, a God being God, but no one there to praise or worship God, to what extent is that God a God, right? So our conception of God requires that we have a conception of God in order for God to be God. And at the same time, God is also transcendent and doesn't need us, right? And that, and that paradox is present in a lot of what we do. Um, okay, let's read, uh, Sue, you were reading? Yep. Read verse uh, 10, uh, six, six words, but interesting. Um they and they gathered up in piles on piles and they stunk up the land good and as barry was saying before this is not vayikartu be gone and or saru and be removed this is a, a follow-up from verse nine they died uh -huh. and what do you do when when dead animals die all around you some sanitation workers have to come collect them so by the, the who, what's the subject of a Yitzbaru? Nope. It's an active verb. It's a pa'al verb, right? That they, that some they, we can assume it's the workers of Egypt. Well, they didn't die in heaps. Right? They gathered them. The them is the frogs. The they are some Egyptian people. Chomarim, chomarim. We'll next time, which is in a month from now, we'll we'll look at what that word might mean. But some kind of like heap, heap, heaps upon heaps, and as a result. The earth smelled. So it's almost like plague post plague, right? Where we're two plagues in, but there've been three plagues, right? There's been blood and then frogs. And then the aftermath of, aftermath of frogs, no frogs, the living frogs, is that the whole, uh, the whole, th the whole place smells like a garbage dump. Barry? So I, I, I go back to insist that God is not doing what Moshe asked for. God is adding on. Moshe just add, ask or pray that they'll di disappear. Hmm. God adds this extra thing that the people got to get in and clean up all this stinky mouse. Yeah. And, and even more striking than if you think about what Rebecca said before, where the verse says, God said, God did as Moshe had 
described. And then God, if you trust what we read, didn't do what Moshe described. Uh, Ema went out yesterday. The next three weeks uh, in this room with Leonard. Um, uh, Shmo, what parsha are you in, Leonard? Noah. Parsha Noah. Chapter 10. Chapter 10. And then... Yeah, from the room and on Zoom. Uh, normally, the first time we study again with me is in the Sukkah, but this year we have a Wednesday in between Yom Kippur and Sukkot, which we normally do. So I think it's two, Yom Kippur is a Monday or Tuesday? Monday. Monday. So. Um, oh, okay. So uh, two days after Yom Kippur, we'll meet, and then a week later, we'll meet in the Sukkah. October 4th. Uh, is that right? October 4th is Sukkot, but we're also meeting the week before, after Yom Kippur. After Yom Kippur, I take a I can take a breath. Taking a long break in the middle of the verse, right? We didn't do the Rosh. Right. But we we finished the verse. Right. Correct. But we we I I will not will not skip anything. Uh, I think it's uh, same three letters, different root. Yeah, I think. There are five different combinations. Right, it also means a donkey driver. It means a wine merchant. It's, it's, it's a. It's that. It's a. It's a merchant. Yes. Right. So uh, we'll play. We'll play that next time. Bye, everybody. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.